You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. So exciting what God is doing, amen? Blessed coming and going. Let me pray a prayer over you. Father, thank you so much for today. I pray, Father, you'd give everyone an ear to hear what the Spirit would say, that you'd quicken and make alive, and that you would minister by the power of your Spirit. Thank you for healing those that are sick. Thank you for restoring those that are broken. And, Father, we give you praise for all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to somebody and say, you still look wonderful. Amen. This morning, I'm going to be ministering on the topic, taking more ground. And this comes off what I taught last week about the blessing. How many know the blessing is the power to prosper? In fact, the Hebrew word blessing is the Hebrew word barak. It means to bow the knee. It's about uh, an individual that would come before a king and they would bow the knee and the king would endow them with power. God has given every believer the power to prosper. Ephesians 1.3 said, Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But don't think only in terms of money. Think in terms of every in your life that you need to prosper in. You need to prosper in your marriage. You need to prosper raising your kids. You need to prosper in your career. You need to prosper in all those areas. And the blessing will, in fact, do that for you personally in your life. And one of the things I want to hit on this morning that I think will really help you in this is what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He was talking to his predecessor, which was Timothy, a fairly young man in his 30s, and he said this to him. He said, fight the good fight of faith. I like that. And he says, lay hold of eternal life, the good confession that you made before many witnesses. And so he's telling them, he's saying, listen, I want you to lay hold of this life, this eternal life that God has given you. And let me define to you eternal life. Jesus defined it in John 17, verse 3. He said eternal life is to know the true and only God in Jesus Christ. In other words, eternal life is to know God. That's what eternal life is. So what Paul is telling Timothy is, I want you to fight the good fight of faith, and I want you to hold on to the things that you know in your life that are true from the Word of God and God. And, and you know, when you're dealing with Scripture and stuff, many when you minister to people, many people just don't know certain things. They don't know Christ set them free in this area. They don't know that Christ set them free to be able to succeed and, and prevail in this area or that area. And so what we do as Christians is we learn what belongs to us, and then we hold fast to it. And this is the way that you take ground. You not only take ground, but you hold out on the ground that you have, and then you take more ground. In other words, I'm going to receive more and more and more, Lord, of what you've promised so that I can work out that salvation, and I can increase, and I can work the works of you, Father, while I'm here producing great fruit. Amen? Now, look with me, if you would, over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. And I want to show you a parable that Jesus taught because he talked about the mandate that God gives to the church while he's gone. 
In other words, what do we do, Lord, while we're waiting for you to come back? What, what is your purpose for us to do while we're waiting for you to come back? He reveals that to us in this parable. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went out in a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered to them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, 10 pounds here is either 10 pounds of silver or 10 pounds of gold, which is a very significant amount, especially if it's gold, because it amounts to about $623,000, depending on the market at that time. But that's what it was worth. So it's a large sum of money that he's given them. And he says, I want, what I want you to do is I want you to occupy telecom. In other words, I want you to take ground and hold it. Say Amen. I want you to expand what I've given you in your life. Now, there's some power in this that I want you to embrace. Number one, the word occupy, if you read some of your translations, means to do business. How many of you can't do business or stay in business very long unless you've got more coming in than you've got going out? So he's talking about the importance then of us increasing in our lives. And in the parable, he talks about those that don't increase, they're, they are, they're in trouble. Say amen. But those who increase are going to get blessed with further blessings when the Lord returns to this planet. Amen. But what I want to say about this that I think is very significant is the power of increase. The reason why God gave us the power for increase in our life is because it solves every problem that you might have in your life. You say, what are you talking about? Let's say you're having a marriage problem. Your wife doesn't understand you. You don't understand her. You're fighting with each other and so forth. Well, if love increases in your relationship and you're more understanding than you were before, and it increases, the marriage then is going to become better in your life by the increase of love in your life. Amen? Or how about, let's say you've got some young children that are not doing what they're supposed to do, and they're rebellious, and they're doing that. How are you going to overcome that? By increase of training. The more you learn how to train a child, the, the better chance you have of the child responding to it, and you become more understanding, and you understand where they're coming from, and you know how to train them according to the Word, you'll get greater results as that increases in your life. And then, of course, if you have financial problems, as long as you get an increase financially, you can solve that problem. Amen? You can pay down that debt, you know, that credit card or whatever it is. So increase in every area will solve every problem in your life. And God gave you the blessing for that purpose. I can increase in wisdom. I can increase in knowledge. And Peter said it this way. He says, the, it says it, the peace of God is multiplied to you through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, there's a multiplication of grace that comes in your life through the knowledge of the Scriptures. So when I think about increase, I think about, man, if I can just have increase in this area or that area of my life, I can solve those problems in that area. You follow me so far? Some, I've run into people sometimes who are depressed. And what they need is an increase of peace. They need an increase of spiritual understanding 
so that their mind is not all messed up with why they are depressed, why they feel this way. And you can't get that unless you use the blessing that God gave you to obtain it through faith. Amen? Now, let me say this at this point. I want you to write this down. This is in Isaiah 44, verse 26. And if you got your shouting clothes on, go say hallelujah. You're going to work with me today or you're going to be difficult? Come on. Say amen. amen. In that particular verse, it says this. It says that the Lord will confirm the word of his servant. And it also says that he will, I like this, perform the counsel of his messengers. Now, that's exciting to me. Because it shows you the power of your confession of faith. Remember, Paul told Timothy, he said, hey, I want you to hold fast, fight the good, faith, fight the good fight of faith, and hold fast to the good confession of your faith. Listen to me carefully. Increase in your life from the blessing comes from the confession of your faith. The more you confess the word of God, the more increase you will release in your life. The less you confess, the more you complain, the less that blessing is going to be released in your life. But if you release the blessing, release the Word of God in your life, you are releasing an incredible increase in your life. And God will confirm it with His Word, and God will perform it, the counsel of His messenger. Hallelujah. That gets me pretty excited. Now, I want you to see something from this. Spiritual increase, then is a direct result of a good confession. If I want to increase in my marriage, I've got to have a good confession of faith. If I want to increase financially, I've got to have a good confession concerning finances. If I want to increase in any area that I put my hand to do to prosper, I've got to make sure that I have a good confession of faith in those areas or I'll be in trouble. And I want to show you the power of this. You know the things that you say in faith even work after you're dead? In other words, let's say, you know, you, you say some, it works after you die. Jesus said this before he was crucified. He said, the Son of Man will be delivered over to evil men, and they will kill him, and he will rise again on the third day. The words that he said back then were the very words that raised him from the dead. The very words that gave him the power to break the power of Satan in his life that, come on, it gave him the power to raise up from the dead when all the evil forces of darkness were against him. The words he said when he was alive are the very words that operated when he was dead. Oh, glory to God. And it'll do the same thing with you. <clears throat> Now, let me explain that to you so you understand what I mean. One of the greatest examples I've seen in the Bible of people's words, how they work after they're dead, is Elisha. How many remember that Elisha was a servant of Elijah, and Elisha is about ready to be taken away with the Lord? And so Elisha asks him, he says, I want a double portion, a double anointing. And if you remember the story, the prophet said, okay, if you see me going up, you're going to get it. But if you look the other way, you're going to miss it. So he just stuck with him 
like glue, just wouldn't let go of him. And then remember the whirlwind came, and instead of turning away, he looked, Elijah's being taken up, and then his mantle begins to fall, and he grabs that thing, strikes the, the, the water, and it splits, and all, he's got the double anointing. Did you know that the double anointing was never fulfilled in Elijah's life? It was still lacking when he died. That's why you hear this story in the Bible of Elisha's bones that were in a cave. That's the, how they would bury people. They put them in these tombs, caves. And it, they, he was in there. His body had decayed. All he had left was bones in there. And they were burying another man who had died. And he, they saw the en their enemy coming. So they were afraid of their life. So they took this guy that just died and said, let's throw him in Elisha's tomb. And they threw him in there. He touched the bones and he was resurrected. It was the double anointing that God had given Elisha that hadn't been fulfilled yet, but it was fulfilled after he died. Hallelujah. Here's my question. Do you have something in your, if you want fruit in your life? And keep not only start, start speaking in faith now, make sure that what you say today. See, some of you, you're in church today and you're saved today because of grandma who prayed for you who's dead. Come on. Grandma was interceding on her knees, praying that you would get some horse sense, praying that God would save you. And she went on to be with Jesus. But those words are out there, praise God. And God looks for the words. Come on, he, come on, he hastens to perform the word that has been spoken in faith. Well, I like that, praise God. That's powerful. That shows you the power of how you can release this blessing. Now, let me show you something from this that I think will enable you in a great way. And it may be a little controversial for some of you, but I still love you. Can you say amen? Jude said this. He said, I want you to pray. In the, I, I want you to build yourself up praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I personally believe he's talking about praying in unknown tongues. And he said that you can build yourself up in that way. And, and, and so you're saying things that you don't know what it is, but it's coming out of your heart. You don't know if it's tongues of angels, tongues of men, unless it's interpreted, but you're praying and through it, you're building things up. When you do that, what has been spoken is going to work for you personally in your life. You say, I don't know. Yes, it is. Let me give you an example. Remember in the Old Testament, that, that king by the name of Ahab? He was a monster. Because he was married to a monster, Jezebel. Amen? She was a witch, I'll tell you what. So Ahab was a bad guy. Bad guy. Well, he's with Jehoshaphat. They're in a battle, and he tells Jehoshaphat, he says, here's what I'm going to do, Jehoshaphat. I'm going to dress up like one of the regular soldiers so that people won't target me on the battlefield. You know, they see the king. They're going to shoot all the arrows towards me and all that stuff. So I'm going to go out there in disguise as if I'm just a regular old guy. So he goes out in a chariot. And an archer on the other team, or not team, enemies, shoots the arrow, and he doesn't, he's not really targeting anybody. He just shoots towards the enemy camp. It goes up in the air and comes down and hits Ahab right between the armor that he had on. It would be sewed together, and it would be the seam, a million in one shot. Went through, killed Ahab. That's how intercession is. 
You don't know how, you don't even really, you're not intentionally shooting at anything. You're just praying in the spirit, praise God. And you shoot that arrow, and I'll tell you what, that arrow of the Lord that you spoke hits the enemy right in the heart and snuffs them out, praise God, when you intercede and pray in the spirit. That's the way that you release the blessing. It isn't all about, well, I understand everything that's going on. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's grasping in your heart exactly what God wants you to do and, and do it with all your heart. Now, I'm going to say something here at this point in the message. Maybe a little deep for some of you, but I think you're going to grab it when, when I preach it to you. In the Word of God, how, how many know there's a lot said about spiritual things? Remember the blessing? Are spiritual blessings, but spiritual blessings create physical blessings. There's no such thing as a physical blessing that didn't come from a spiritual blessing. They work together. Can you say amen? amen? But most Christians don't have the right view on that when it comes to Christ's return or anything else. They, they, most Christians, they think if I die, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to float around in a cloud. And I'm going to go to that cloud to the next cloud. Why? Because they don't see it as something with substance. It's spiritual. But did you know in reality, heaven is a place, a material place with streets of gold, with gates made out of pearl? Say amen. We're talking about material substance. It's not a cloud thing where you go from one cloud to the next and you walk through walls. No. There, it is a tangible place that is made out of material that comes from creation itself. Now, a lot of people, they go, oh, Pastor, you know, there's too much about the world and all this stuff, you know, that's all going to get burned up by fire when Jesus returns. And it is true, the Bible does say that there's going to be a fire that comes out when Christ returns that is going to burn creation. Remember the scripture said that God destroyed the world with the flood and then the second time it's going to be with fire? Well, let me just say something. The earth wasn't destroyed by the flood. It was cleansed by the flood. While the waters receded, there was still an earth there, wasn't there? I'm going to prove to you in scripture that the earth is never going away. I said never. It's not God's gonna, not going to say, all right, bam, destroy it, all the planets. No. I want you to write down these verses. This will help. Psalms 37, uh, verse 27 said, The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Psalms 104, 5 says, Who laid the foundation of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. Ecclesiastes 6, 1, 4 is one I like. He said, one generation comes, one generation uh, goes, but it says he has decreed that it will never pass away. I said that wrong. He said, the earth will abide forever. That's in Ecclesiastes 1, 4. Psalms 148 says that God created the heavens and the earth, and it says, it says that he established them forever and ever. He made a decree which will not Pass away. Okay, you're not getting excited enough here. Well, Pastor, I'm not at home. My home is in heaven. Did you know that 
heaven is coming here. That's right. Look at it in the, in the scripture, Revelation chapter 21. Verse 1 tells us that at the end of the age, that the heavenly Jerusalem will come down from above and come to the new earth and the new heavens that God created. Now, created doesn't mean that he threw away the old one. It's the same word used when it's used for the new birth. Therefore, if any man in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. When God saved you, he didn't get rid of you and replaced you with someone else. He took you and he saved you so completely. You're completely different than you were before. But he saved you. Say amen. He's going to save the earth. Hallelujah. And I love that because when you think of fire, people think of burning up things and so forth, but think of it in the sense of the way the scriptures teach it. For example, the Bible tells us that you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire. Does that mean you've got a torch that burns up things? No, it means your salvation burned up sin in your life. It burned up sin in your life. Peter describes fire this way. He says your faith is being tested with fire. What happens when you test uh, gold with fire? It heats up, it melts, and all the dross comes to the surface. That's what Peter's talking about. He, now, you don't get rid of the gold. You still have the gold, but it's purer than it was before. When your faith is tested, it's purer than it was before. He's not destroying the faith. Or how about the judgment seat of Christ? You're in the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, and it's so good. And God doesn't judge you according to your sin. He just judges your works. And if it is burned up by fire, you don't receive a reward. But if it's not, you receive an eternal reward. So fire is used differently than just consuming something. The fire of God is going to consume the dross and the evil that is in creation. But God is not disregarding creation. There's going to be a renewed earth. It's called in Scripture regeneration. There's going to be, uh, oh, you know what's so cool about this, is heaven is going to descend from above to this new planet that has been renewed by the fire of God. And new heavens. And it says that there's no sea in this new earth. Now, the good news is that's not true. The sea, if you read up above, is in reference to those who died without Christ, were taken out of the sea and stood before the great white throne judgment. In other words, there'll be nobody that isn't saved when the new Jerusalem comes. Amen. <laughs> Ezekiel said it this way. Ezekiel said that when that day comes... There's going to be a river that comes out of the temple. And this is Jerusalem, heaven. And it's going to go down into the sea. So we're going to have a new kind of sea, but it's going to be filled up with an overflow of the river of life that comes from the throne of God into the sea. And we're going to get a place right on the water, praise God. <laughs> but, that, but you understand what this means. This means there's going to be Every created thing that God created there. Everything. 
So what do you mean? Colossians 1, uh, write this down, Colossians 1.19, I think it is. It says this, that God's going to reconcile in Christ all things that are in heaven and on earth. Romans 8 says that creation groaneth for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's waiting for that time. That means there's going to be fish, there's going to be animals, there's going to be horses, there's going to be all kinds of God's living creatures there. But God will get rid of death. He'll get rid of that sin nature. And the Bible said the lamb will lay down with the lion. And the lion won't eat the lamb. Come on, everybody. Praise God. Now you say, why are you preaching this? I'm preaching this to show you that what is spiritual will inevitably end up a material thing. If you can believe in faith that you're healed spiritually, it's only a matter of time until it will manifest physically in your life. If you can release spiritual blessings in your life financially, and you can release that in seed, in seed offering, it is going to eventually manifest in physical increase in your life. There's always a manifestation. There's always an outcome of your faith. There's always a breakthrough in your faith. It isn't just spiritual. It has a destiny of being fulfilled in your life. Just like this earth is going to be restored, your home's going to be restored, your family's going to be restored. It's not going to be, well, I'm spiritually got it while, you're, while they come to take your house away from you. It's not the way it works. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be the salt of this world. Salt in the ancient world was only used to preserve things. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have, you know, meat lockers that had ice. They didn't have that. All they had was salt. They put their meat in salt. They put their fish in salt. It was a preservative. We're supposed to preserve the world that we're in so that when that day comes, we get all these people that have rejected Christ get saved. Because if they don't get saved before Christ comes back, it's over for them. They're going to be separated from God, cast into the lake of fire. we got to save them now while the saving's going. we got to pray that God protects them now until they come to their senses, until they give their life to Christ. Because when Christ comes back, my friend, if you're not saved, it's too late. You know, there was only one time in Scripture that someone was saved after death. Only one time. No other time. And that was before Jesus went to the cross. The Old Testament saints died. They went to the upper region of paradise, awaiting the Messiah. There was a gulf between that and Hades. And they were waiting in the, they called it the bosom of Abraham. When Christ resurrected from the dead, it said that he led the captives captives. He went to the upper region of paradise preached to them, they get saved, then they ascended on a height into heaven. That was the last time that had ever happened. If you die without Christ, there is zero hope. Zero hope. Don't put it off. Accept Christ today. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know what an hour is going to bring. Accept Christ today. Man, when you do that, whew, you got assurance and you can begin to partake of the tree of life, the blessings that God has for you, and you can be blessed coming and going. I said you can be blessed coming and going.
You need that life right now. Some preachers think I do altar calls too much. But I'll tell you what, it's emergency. People are drowning. People are dying. People are going to hell. That wouldn't go to hell if someone would just preach to them how good Christ is and what he did for them. And all you got to do is accept Christ, turn your life to him. What a better way. And then, and then get blessed with these blessings to work out, to prosper. And whatever you do, it's inside of you. You can spiritually release it. You can spiritually receive it. And if you hold it long enough in your life, if you hold fast and take that crown, it'll eventually be manifested in a title deed in your reality. Say amen, praise God. And God will bless you in a great way. I love this, praise God. Great preaching. Did you know that faith will always make a way? Not sometimes, always make a way. Always. I learned this from Lester Sumrall before he went to be on to be with Jesus. He said, I never wait for doors to open. He says, I kick them down. A lot of Christians, they're always waiting. Well, if it's God's will, he'll open the door. Well, if it's God's will, this is going to happen. If God's will, this is... No, 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 no. Wait, wait a minute. Remember the miracle of the four friends that had their friend that was paralyzed and they took him in a cot to see Jesus to get him healed? And they go there and he's preaching in a small house and they can't get in the front door. People won't let him in. They go to the window. They can't get in the window. Now, all during that discussion, I imagine in their minds thinking, well, if it was God's will, there'd be a way to get in there. But they didn't do that. Their faith believed there was a way. Until one of them came with the idea and said, hey, let's get a ladder and let's go up on the roof and we'll tear up the roof. Now, I'm sure someone was thinking, well, wait a minute, if we tear up the roof, we're committing a crime. That's a felony. They may throw me in jail. But they didn't do that because faith made a way. They climbed over the roof and tore it up and Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, come on, man. This is someone's property. They, they just almost had this thing paid off and you tore up the roof. He didn't say that. He, said he saw their faith. And not only healed the guy of his disease, forgave him of his sins, which was the backdrop or the reason behind the sickness in the first place. So God did more than what he needed, just like he does in your life. He does you more than you need. Yeah. It's like a mother. She makes a little lunch for her kids to go to school. Kid goes there, he's so excited, opens up in the sandwiches there that he wanted, and all of a sudden he looks over here, oh, my mom gave me a little chocolate. Mom gave me this. Because she loves you and she knows what you need, dumb dim, dummy. You never would have figured it out yourself. You would have had a peanut butter thing in there and called it good, and she knew you'd be sick eating that all day, so she put all that other stuff in. God does the same thing. We ask for something, and God adds to it. And God, they need this, they need that. Praise God. Whoo, man. Now, if you can handle this next truth, I think it'll really build you up. How many know that your faith is not a cheap knockoff? It's not a common faith. It's an uncommon faith. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, not, not I. He says, no longer I deliver, but Christ lives in me. And then he says this, I live by the faith of God. That's obviously the old King James Version. And then he says, the one who loved me and died on the cross for me. 
But notice he says, I'm living from the faith of God. It's not a knockoff. It's not a cheap knockoff. Joyce and I, we were in New York one time. And she, if you've ever been in New York, on the streets there, all these people are peddling stuff, selling stuff, Rolex watches, movies, Prada purses, all these high-end high things. And I told my wife when she's buying all this stuff for the girls, I said, it's not real. It's, it's a knockoff. It's cheap. It's just a knockoff. Oh, no. I just got a good deal. <laughs> and so I said, I tell you what, when we get back, you go to, to, go to a jeweler or go to, a, uh, you know, somebody that knows better and ask them. She went and she challenged me. She said, all right, I'm going to find out. This looks like this. It's just like that. And, of course, they told her it's a knockoff. It's a cheapie. The faith you got is not common faith. It is the faith of God. It's inside of you. The same faith that created creation is inside of you. Whew. When you begin to understand that, you begin to realize, wow, I need to keep hearing the word because I want to keep that faith coming in because it can affect everything in your life. Now, let me close with this, and I want you to stand to your feet if you would while we're doing this. Yeah, I got to have you stand up or you'll fall asleep on me. Got to get you fired up here. When I talk to people who I'm trying to challenge to take higher ground, to take more in their life of what God offers, one of the things that is a hindrance is the time factor. If somebody's older and they've made many mistakes, they say, well, it's too late for me. I'm on my fourth wife. Or I've failed in my business, and this is my fifth business. It's a disaster. And many of them have this track record of mistakes they've made in their life. And they go, I understand what you're saying, Pastor, but I'm reaping what I sow. But the good news is this. If you grab hold of what I'm teaching you this morning, even if you made mistakes, the increase in your life can put out the decrease that your mistakes have taken. They can put it out. He said, what do you mean? You remember what it says in the book of Galatians? Paul's talking to the church there, and he says, those of you that have been taught by someone, he says, he says, I want you to share all good things with those who have taught you. He's talking about in ministry where you do that. I'm not asking for an offering, okay? That's just the verse. i got to put it in its context. And then he says this, Do not be deceived. For God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. And then he says, If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. Those are the verses that he says. But most people, when they look at that, they only look at the negative part. Okay, I'm reaping the results here. I'm alone right now because I was unfaithful to my, first, my wife, and she dumped me. Now she's married to somebody who's provided for her. She don't want me back, and I'm, I'm lonely, and I'm said, You understand? And so he's reaping what he sowed, and he says, what am I supposed to do? 
God said not to be deceived. The verse goes two ways. It's true for disobeying God or doing the wrong thing, but it's also true for doing the right thing. Don't be deceived into thinking that if you sow a good deed, that it's not going to come back to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Don't be deceived into thinking that if you sow love and compassion and things in people, that it's not going to come back to you pressed down, shaken together. Don't be deceived in thinking it doesn't make any difference because the increase that comes from that will put to death the decrease that came in your life from your mistake. Let me describe it to you this way. Let's say that you've been married for five, ten years or whatever. And when you first got married, the love she had for you was like that much. Man, she loved you. Man, when you left your clothes out, it didn't bother her. When you, you know, didn't, forgot to take the garbage out, it didn't bother her. When you didn't shave or take a shower, it didn't bother her. He's such, I love him so much. That doesn't last very long. So year after year, because your husband won't change, your love that was up here, it's way down here. Now you're down to this point. You're going, boy, he doesn't have much credit left. Once we go down to here, I'm looking elsewhere. How do you fix that? Because you've been years and years of saying the wrong things and doing the wrong things. You just turn it around. You get up in the morning and say, baby, I wanted to tell you, you're the most beautiful woman I've seen. I love you so much, start sewing compliments into her. And say, listen, I want you to go and make sure you get those nails done, get those ears done, get the eyes, eyes done. I want you to go in, and if you once a month want to go in and be pampered and have the whole thing done, that's fine. You're worth it. And if you want that car that you've always wanted, I'm going to sell my pickup and get that for you. And uh, by the way, you've been wanting to go on a vacation, and I'm not going where I want to go. I want to do something that you don't want to do. We're going to go where you want to do. And so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to dork up on you and go with you. And whoo all of a sudden, the little love that you have him starts going up. Wow. And then he continues doing it. Even though you've been a jerk for 10 years, you can overcome it in just a year. All you got to do is start sowing the right seed because whenever you sow a seed, it always comes back more than the seed you sowed. You never get back one seed. You get back many more seeds than you sow. So if I keep saying something to you that you're wonderful, that you're beautiful, that, you're, that the sun rises when you get up and the sun goes down when you go down, praise God. When you start speaking like that, I've been married my wife now 51 years. This thing works. <laughs> 51 years. I know what you're thinking. He must have gotten married when he was two. <laughs> but she's sowed into my life ever since I knew her. Always sowed in my life. Ever since I knew I remember when I didn't know Jesus, I was in a rock and roll band, and she looked at me and said, you can go to the top if you want. Just play that guitar. You can make it, baby. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. 
And even after I got saved, no matter what I was going through, no matter how screwed up I got, no matter what kind of mistakes I made, she would always speak a word of truth in me, and she'd always slap a verse up somewhere, and remind me of the word of God, remind me who I am in Christ. And I've done the same thing towards her when she's down. People go, Pastor, can you do something for my marriage? I can pray for you, and it's great, but you need to do something. Get off your butt. Do something. Take her to lunch. Tell her she's beautiful. Here's a tough one. Say you're sorry even when you're not. Come on, everybody that needs rearranging, say praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I need rearranging in my life. I'm going to get that breakthrough in my life. Whoa. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.